podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hear that? That's the sound of the 2023 Chevy Silverado's 2.7 liter high output turbo engine, delivering 430 pounds per foot of torque with no compromise durability. Impressive power. Whether you're helping friends move or just moving some friends. Thanks. This is the sound of a family with plenty of rear seat room to enjoy the ride. And most importantly, this is the sound of you heading to your local Chevy dealer today for a test drive. Find your Silverado and find new roads. Chevrolet. Hello there guys, what is going on? Daniel Charles back here again for another show. Hope you're doing well. It is Saturday here, Saturday afternoon. Tomorrow is the World Cup final. England still feels weird to say England in the final, in the World Cup final against Spain. Um, Quite remarkable just being there the other night, watching the Australia game, seeing that all play out. The atmosphere was was remarkable and of course uh, Sam Kerr had to score but luckily it didn't ruin England's chances but uh, yeah just hopefully now England can bring it home uh, because it's just it's surreal to think going to be in that stadium tomorrow night and and hopefully they can finish off this tournament with with the perfect ending as they did last summer at the Euros but from a Chelsea point of view um, I want to do kind of a, a West Ham preview go through the players that could be starting my kind of preferred starting 11. We'll talk about Lewis Hall and then we'll also talk about Reese James, um, his latest injury setback and kind of my feelings on that. If you are new around here, please hit that subscribe button. I'm going to be back in the UK next week. This time next week, it'll be back to the Son of Chelsea studio and I'm actually going to be at the Luton game. So very excited uh, to be back at the bridge watching Chelsea live for the first time this season. Hopefully, off the back of the first league win against West Ham. We'll start there um, because, of course, Moise Casado, Romero Lavia, Romero Lavia announced for me Thursday evening time. Um, I think probably what's that early morning, mid morning um, in the UK, it was announced. Uh, we knew the deal was complete. There was a little bit of confusion whether something had gone wrong because it was taking a while for the announcement to actually come out. But great signing. And um, now we hope that maybe Moises Casado and Romero Lavia will both play play a part against West Ham. I think it's more likely that Lavia just is on the bench, um, given the lack of training time of his new teammates. If they're doing a session on Friday, maybe Saturday as well, uh, just before the game. But I think it's more likely because Moises Casado, also Moises Casado being kind of the massive signing. Um, I just think it's more likely he plays a bigger part in this game. And where he fits in Chelsea's system. If you look at what Poch selected for the first game against Liverpool, I just think it's more likely he features and maybe gets his first start against uh, Luton next week. Um, I may, you know, Poch may surprise us. Both of them may be in there. Uh, but I think it's more likely Casado because of that time will will be playing in this game. And it's an interesting game for Chelsea in terms of the ground. I mean, London Stadium. We've had a sketchy. Um, record there and by sketchy I mean pretty bad uh, in terms of going there we've we've lost quite a few games uh, last season was a quite a, a frustrating draw the season before that we lost 3-2 we did win there one of our rare wins um, in the lockdown season um, I believe Werner scored that day 
Um, but we, we have lost there a few times, and, and of course it's their first game. West Ham are an interesting prospect. Of course, losing West Ham, um, losing sorry Declan Rice is a such a massive blow to them. Um, but then also seeing some of their business. Some of their business has been all right. I think James Ward Prowse is a is a good signing, good Premier League uh, professional, and I think obviously gives you as Chelsea well know from last season a threat from set pieces that you always have to be wary of. But um, I'm interested to see how that develops this season because I, 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 there's, there's a part of me that thinks David Moyes should have left West Ham after the conference win. It's kind of not going to get much better than that and you've lost your best player now. So we'll see how that develops. But from a Chelsea point of view, it's a great chance to get our first win of the season and also hopefully start to to see that attack click and, and, and score some goals. Um, I think from my point of view, I, I'd go to the 4-2-3-1 or a 4-3-3. Um, I think the three-back system very much was for Liverpool and very much based on injuries. And I just feel, although West Ham, as we know, can be a dangerous transitional team, I do think Chelsea will want to impose themselves a lot more in this game. And uh, maybe just adding another attacker to me makes a bit more sense in this game. So Robert Sanchez in goal. I have gone with a back four of Malo Gusto, obviously in for Rhys James. Great to see him maybe get his first start in a Chelsea shirt um, because I thought he, he did really well during preseason. Looks very ready to to step in when needed, and that is this time right now. Uh, Thiago Silva and uh, Levi Colwell is going to be my back two. Um, Axel Dizassi, I, I think he has um, obviously scored last week, but still think Silver and Colwell is, is the partnership I'd prefer to go with. Ben Chirwell left back. Then we get into the dream midfield two for the first time. Enzo Fernandez, Moises Casado. Um, I just think it'd be really exciting to see that pair on the team sheet for the first time. We're going to see it this season, but I, I think it'd be nice to see it on Sunday. And also seeing Enzo have that more progressive role. You know, we saw the pass he played at, at the London Stadium last season for Joao Felix. And hopefully he can do something similar, really advancing up the pitch a bit more, having that license now and seeing how Casado's influence and involvement can very much keep Chelsea on the front foot and prevent West Ham getting those transition opportunities, which I'm sure they'll be trying to capitalise on throughout the game. Um, the three behind the striker, um, Raheem Sterling, I think, deserves to keep his place after his performance against Liverpool. I thought he was really involved, created a few chances. I think he deserves to keep his place. And also Noni Madawake, you know, still working his way back. Conor Gallagher, I would have as the number 10. You know, this is the position that was obviously meant for Christopher and Kunku, but um, I think Gallagher asserted himself again really well against Liverpool despite playing in an unfamiliar position and I just feel from a goal scoring perspective he gives a threat I think he does as, as an advanced midfielder um, I think he works really well off a striker I think he's someone who anticipates runs into the box well and I think can maybe finish chances so I'd prefer to see him further up the pitch and I think this is a good chance to, to give him those minutes I would also start uh, Mikhail Mudrik. It's a little bit, you know, it's a little bit um, tough on Connie Chukameka, of course, started last week. And again, I think gave a positive impression on, on his behalf. But um, I just think Mikhail Mudrik, um, I just want that explosion of pace. And um, I just think gives that unpredictability. And, and this is a massive chance for him to really start to to build his Chelsea career this season. So I, I, I'd go for Mudrick on the left. And then, of course, Nicholas Jackson up front and awaiting his first Premier League goal. But I don't think it's too far away, despite some of the stuff I've heard this week. Again, questioning why Chelsea haven't gone out and signed a regular proven goal scorer. Um, I think Jackson will be that for Chelsea. I'm not going to say he's going to be like a 30-goal man because he's still a very young player. But I do think that there's no point going out there and, and signing someone else 
unless that player, I even think like a younger profile doesn't make a lot of sense when you've got Amanda Breuer. If you could buy a more experienced player who is okay being more rotational, um, I said this at the start of the summer, maybe an Olivier Giroud type figure, um, then maybe for a striker, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm positive about Jackson. So that's my starting 11. Let me know yours in the comments below. Negative now, two negatives. Uh, firstly is Lewis Hall to Newcastle. Staggering turn of events given where we were even a week ago with him looking to sign that new deal. Looked like he was imminent, you know, to go to Crystal Palace on loan for the season. That felt like a really good loan for him. And in a matter of days, it's all turned and he's now gone to Newcastle. Loan deal uh, with buy option clause. Um, apparently it's around 35 million add-ons included. It's a sour one, it is, and I think it dampens some of the good business Chelsea and the majority have done this this preseason. And I think it will be an extra kick. Well, number one, it's it's a team we expect to com- be, be competing with now for Champions League spots. Number two, it's also if Marco Carrera is still in the squad past transfer deadline date and we've sold Lewis Hall, I know for a lot of people that will feel very sour and it will feel like Chelsea making mistakes that they've made too often where it feels like academy talents are paying the price for experienced um, or sorry more expensive or supposedly more experienced players who underperformed and that's what unfortunately Marco Correa is. Um, I find it just weird that you get a situation where a player is committing their future and then wants to leave in the space of a week. Now, there is obviously a personal thing here with Lewis Hall, family connections to Newcastle, of what that could personally mean for him. I always think that, you know, you, you've got to take your Chelsea hat off and your Chelsea glasses at some point and go, OK, I can understand that from a, a fan point of view of wanting to play for a club that clearly means something to your family. I understand that. But to go from accepting your long-term future at Chelsea to then wanting to leave, or at least that's the way it's being reported, I just... I think those two things just don't match up personally to me. Um, I think it's it's just a strange turn of events in a very quick period of time. And unfortunately, too often, I think, as I've seen throughout recent years and also this summer, and, and I think, to, you know, it, it helps out the club is that, you know, people very much fall for it and, and then target the player. Um, and I, I just, you know, I, I find it a bit bizarre. And it's just... It's just not a good look when you're losing a player like Lewis Hall in this manner, and we probably could have handled it better. Um, but he clearly wants football. The the saving grace in some ways, if you're just looking at it from a left-back perspective, is you do have Ian Matson. but I still find it absolutely absurd that I'm hearing stories that Chelsea are looking to sell Ian Matson or even open to that. I just find it absolutely ridiculous. Uh, it really is um, in terms of what he could offer to you know losing Lewis Hall. Um, sure, he he's had limited experience, and that's maybe one of the ways it's been put to me is like you know he's had a, he's had a lack of Premier League experience, um, but that doesn't really take into account his performance levels compared to others who did have more Premier League experience and weren't performing at the same level as him last season. One of the rare good things about Chelsea last season was Lewis Hall, and then also you know if we're looking at the fee, uh, Mark Gurhi, we sold Mark Gurhi who didn't have any Premier League starts or any Premier League experience to Crystal Palace for twenty million. Can't really believe that Lewis Hall, with quite a few more experiences at this age, is only worth, what, 15 million more, if we're talking about inflation in the market. So I think it's a negative. I think it's one Chelsea could come to rue. It doesn't mean that Chelsea don't have good options like an Ian Matson who can fill that spot. Um, I just find the situation really weird in the sense that it's, it's gone from, you know, loan, 
we're keeping this player to to going. It may just be a case that Newcastle jumped to the situation, but apparently Chelsea originally were resistant to selling Lewis Hall. Was there a change of heart with the player, like dramatically? And that's what's swayed things. Is it the FFP side of things that Chelsea want to sell? And then from a briefing point of view, you know, it kind of looks a little bit nicer if if the player is wanting to move on himself. I just, I don't think, I think he's a very talented player and I think he will help Newcastle, no doubt. And then we get to the Reese James injury. I can't say I'm massively surprised because how can you be by Reese James injury at this point? Um, I think it just comes back to something I said months ago and people got annoyed when I said, you know, and it's something that I said consistently about N'Golo Kante. It's like, I think it's very difficult to regard a player as a vital key player when they're consistently injured and they're one that you just can't rely on for the majority of the season. I think my big frustration for years with Kante was Chelsea knew his injury record and there was no mitigation. There was no player that you're never going to find you know, an exact copy, but someone who could do a competent job in his place. At the very least with this situation, we've done that with Malogusto and I think it's been proven already how valuable a signing he's going to prove to be if you've got a player who's consistently going down injured. Um, I think for Reese it's a massive concern. I mean, will he have surgery on this hamstring? Because it seems to be something that continues to play up. And isn't it just worth getting the, the surgery over and you know done with if that is what is required here? But also, you know, again, it's just just because you're and, and you know, Reese James is probably the from like a pound for pound sort of talent technical ability. Yeah, he's probably the best player Cobham has produced in a very long time. But talent and potential and potential ceilings don't really matter if you're not available majority of the time. And availability and durability are very, very, of course, valuable things. And again, it's just like I, I think that I've spoken about other players in regards to in, in comparison to Reese James in recent years and why I felt that others have been you could put on a higher pedestal than than Reese. And it's not because Reese isn't a game changer when he's available, he absolutely is. But when he's not available, and if he's not available consistently throughout a season, I just it, it's very difficult to then build your plans around him. So at least we've got Malagosto, but I think the the James thing continues to be a problem and it's just a concern that these injury problems don't seem to be going away anytime soon. And then what does that mean for the rest of his career? Because it'd just be a real heartbreaking situation if a player as ridiculously talented and gifted as Reese James um, has his career stalled or even dramatically derailed because of this. Uh, because let's just hope something will turn and he'll be able to get over these injuries. So those are my thoughts. Let me know yours in the comments below. Another day closer to returning to the UK, hopefully with England as World Cup winners. And I will see you again very soon. All the best. Sports Social Podcast Network.